Hello, hello, and welcome to Temple of the False Pod, where our decks are not optimized, but our plays sure as heck are fun. I'm Bruce. I'm Andy. I'm Andy. Bruce, I'm Bruce. Yes. There we go. Hmm. Love it. You as I was going through that, <laughs> as I was going through that, I was like, all right, I'm, I, you know, it's been like a couple of weeks since we recorded. I'm, I got this. This is going so yeah. well. Bam. Wow. Welcome to episode 93. Uh, yeah, 93, where... 92 times you've been Andy. <laughs> what can I say? Maybe even more than that, actually. Yeah. You've probably been Andy for more than just 93 times. I've times. been Andy for 30 years. Uh, Man. So, uh, because it's the third episode of the season... It means we've got a dead tail. Um, it's exciting. It's it's going to be real weird in five weeks when uh, we do a deck tail on my deck and I don't have one anymore uh, because I've taken apart all my decks because uh, Dan told me to. <laughs> well, uh, okay. Now Dan's going to give you a new deck, right? Yeah. Yeah. You know, Excellent. my buddy. Sure. Uh, never I mean, met the man in my come life. Come on, you're in the same state. I'm in the same, like, county. Well, just sh- start showing up at the same game store. Start playing I don't know what decks. that one is. So. I don't know either. Any. But, I mean, before we get into weird stalker yeah. territory, uh, we Ooh. talked, we briefly discussed this deck uh, a couple weeks back when talking about yeah. Elish Norn. Um, mother of machines and uh that's all that's all uh that's when we talked about it and uh uh-huh uh-huh well let me jump right in then uh, please do for those of you for those of you wondering the deck sitting on the me. edges of your seats we are talking about my deck one of my decks it's uh my boros deck tajik magic uh <laughs> <laughs> Tajik magic. <laughs> yeah, that's the deck. Uh, Andy, remind me to change the name of the deck when we post it. Um, okay. It's uh, the deck is Tajik Blade of the Legion, so it's not the new Tajik; it's the old Tajik. So it's the old one. This is the two-two indestructible one that has battalion, which means whenever Tajik Blade of the Legion and at least two other creatures attack, Tajik gets plus five, plus five until the end of the turn. That's Tajik, and yes. Back in those days, this counted as a rare. Nowadays, mm. that's an uncommon. Because it doesn't <laughs> do a whole lot other than just... A 2-2 two, two for 4. Right. Um, this came out in Dragon's Maze. Um, did you did you build this right like when the card was new? It was pretty new when I built. Uh, it probably wasn't Dragon's Maze. It was probably the next set had already come out. Okay. Uh, do you know... Area. Do you want to do you want to hazard a guess of when Dragon's Maze came out? No. When did Dragon's Maze come out? 2013, 10 years ago. That I'd like to think the deck isn't that old, but it probably is. Um, hey, it happens. I've been playing Magic for what, 5 years now? There we go. For those of you who are looking at the list, um, you'll probably see some cards that are a little newer than that, but Honestly, most of the cards are pretty much, you know, uh, the deck was built. It seemed to work reasonably well. It was powerful enough with our group, so I just ran with it. So this is the kind of deck 
that really messes with EDH Rex uh, numbers because <laughs> it's it's just it's more of a mishmash of whatever white and red cards I had that I thought would go good and uh, and it just sort of worked that way. So um, yeah. So I mean, it's funny. I, I I look at this deck. I look at this pile of cards and uh, yeah. I think about how like how fun it is to build Boros because you can you can get you can just throw cards in and have it work. Um, Tajik is a typical Boros deck. You're making a bunch of creatures. You're attacking. That's mm-hmm. what that's what Boros does. That's what Boros wants to do. And I generally play that style. So I really leaned into that. So um, the only real uh, variation in this deck is uh, it can go wide and it goes high as well. Because I've won plenty of games, you know, pumping up a whole pile of creatures or just amassing so many tokens you just overwhelm the opponent. Uh, and I've also won plenty of games with uh, Tajik doing commander damage. Um, mm. When you've got a when you've got a two two indestructible who gets equipped with a sword, so gets another plus two plus two, and swings in with at least two other five people and or two other uh, creatures, now he's a nine nine indestructible. And if you've got a sword on him, he probably has protection and can swing right and just dodges right past everybody and hits your opponent. I mean, it just doesn't take very long. I could see this to, deck. To I could see the building process the building process of this deck be just you know narrow trying to narrow it down from 200 cards like i i feel like this card is just so it 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 just seems so fun to like just be like yeah that'll work in there um and not like you know not to say that this deck is any bit you know just hobbled together but i think that like i could i could see it just being all of a sudden like oh I put too many things in. Um, well, yeah, well, it, because like you said, I mean, if this is what if this is what Boros does, mm-hmm. then it's easy to just start firing everything that Boros decks have into into this deck, and then starting to add all of your favorite cards in white and red, and suddenly you've got a stack of cards that's just far too big. But um, that said, I think a lot of these. Uh cards there there are plenty of cards in here that i'm like oh wow i haven't seen this card or you know like oh wow like this should be played in more things type of thing um and we'll we'll get there but um, okay was there a particular area you wanted to talk about first let's start with uh i don't know where do you want to start um um let's uh let's start with the tokens Okay. Um, just because the tokens were one of the one of the earlier uh, one of the earlier things I looked at when when putting the deck together, because um, well, to be honest, because I had Assemble the Legion and I had Rise of the Hobgoblins in mm. my collection, and thought, okay, I definitely want to run them, and as long as we're going to go with them, that's how we're going to get Italian to kick in for Tajik. So let's really lean into that. So. Um, I mean, I've got a list of there's ten different token token makers on this one. Um, obviously, Assemble the Legion is one of the one of the big ones, and it's very easy for people to forget because you play Rise of the Hobgoblins, and it feels like oh, you've played your sorcery, but it's not because it just sits there, and for the most part, does nothing until 
you make it miserable for your opponents. And first strike on creatures on a creature like Tajik that's a seven seven already, that uh, yeah that makes things ugly. So um, yeah, really liked it. Um, uh, Captain of the Watch is another great one. Um, it's also nice because of course he also not only does he come in with a bunch of to- bunch of tokens. He pumps uh, Tajik and all other, all other soldiers with a plus one, plus one, Ooh. and gives them vigilance. So now you're swinging with uh, no risk on the kickback. You got Cloud Goat Ranger, Conqueror's Pledge, which I like, but it's uh, it's so hard to play that one. The cost is just so high. <laughs> um, Decree of Justice, another another fun one. Um, Elspeth Knight Errant, I got that under the tokens, but practically speaking... Elspeth does a little bit of everything, so um, mm. so that's nice. Elspeth, and then also Elspeth's son's champion. Uh, more creatures there, and the ability to wrath out the low power stuff. Um, that's always uh, it tends to always uh, always do well. Um, and then Nomad's assembly, sort of rounding it out. Yeah, you're wrathing out the big stuff because uh, four greater. Um, oh yeah, right. But so you're making all these tokens, and then yeah, it doesn't hit Tajik, which is nice. Um, yeah. So you get you get that you know go wide to continue, right? And with Nomad's Assembly, uh, a bunch of uh, a bunch of tokens, and then with the rebound, you just add even more. So um, mm. works out really well that way. I'm going to look at just a couple of the removal cards. Um, some of the standards that you'd expect are here: Austere Command, Martial Coup. Um, they obviously make sense. Uh, one of my favorites. Uh, is Durger Hedge Mage. Uh, oh my god, yes. It's a Dwarf Shaman. Um, it costs two and a hybrid red-white. And it says, when it, when it enters the battlefield, if you control two or more mountains, you can destroy, uh, you may destroy target artifacts. If you, uh, if you control two or more planes, you may destroy target enchantment. Um, now, it doesn't say basic mountains and basic planes, so it just needs to be mountains and planes. And... Not surprisingly, there are plenty of those in this deck. Um, I know I know that the land list says there's only four, three mountains, but uh, don't be fooled. There there are plenty more in there. Um, it, uh, I, I just I really get a kick out of the hedge mage, and I know that it's not super powerful or anything like that, but it's just one of those cards that I love love seeing show up in these decks. One that I was surprised to, that yep. wasn't in here was Balefire Liege. Um, Belfire Liege is here. Is it? Yep. He's in the pump category. You know what? That makes sense. I just, I, yep. like, after hearing about Dwerger Hedge Mage, I was like, that reminds me of this thing. Because it's it has the, like, two separate lines so that it is stackable. Yep. And I just love, I love cards like Dwerger Hedge Mage, where uh, it, it you just get more value off of just doing the thing you want to do anyway right and i mean i love balefire leash especially when i've got a commander that's two colors because um you know it's always fun when you can uh have the leash out play tajik and it just feels like tajik's coming into play smoking my opponent for three damage right off the bat and gaining me three life just as he sort of settles in to become a four four indestructible because of Balefire Liege's bonuses. Um, it's just, I love that. That's just, that's just spectacular. So, mm. 
I love too that like a lot of these cards like they're fairly inexpensive price wise. Um, yeah. But like you know some of them you've heard of some of them you know like wear and tear you never see. Um, you never see, um, and a lot of the cards that you would expect to see aren't here. Um, one of the cards that I think goes in just about every Boros deck. Oh God, what is it called? It's the it's an instant for a red and a white, and it's what is it? All damage dealt to you from one source is dealt to the deflecting controller palm. of that source. Yeah, thank you. You would expect deflecting palm in here, and deflecting palm is one of my favorite car favorite cards to put in this kind of a deck. Um, but it's not here. Um, it's just it was another card that didn't quite make the cut that I was looking at other th- just looking at other things and decided that uh, you know. I wanted to try something else instead of that. Um, so, a lot of these, uh, which is nice, uh, is that they're either flexible or they do both in terms of hitting artifacts and/or enchantments. Um, yeah, because I mean, I think that it's funny too because you know you made this deck a number of years ago, um, mm-hmm. and you had plenty of enchantment removal at the time uh and it's it's starting to be like we need more in general uh and i I mean obviously red and white it's not hard uh right i think um it was interesting because i think when i built this deck our particular play my play group at the time had a lot of enchantments in it Mm. so i was building with that in mind and then since then that has sort of dipped away and now it's coming back as a lot of artifacts and some enchantments as well. Um, so the need for it has sort of returned. Um, maybe I should have altered the deck and then re-altered it, but uh, that didn't happen. So I guess, you know, hey, lucky me. I'm walking, you know, people are now walking right into my removal package with the deck. Mm. So um, I'll take that every time. Um, so. Yeah. Um, let's move on to pump before we take our break. Um <clears throat> Sure. Because I think there are some very strong pieces in here. Uh, you're a Chroma's right, Memorial. Which, if you can get it down, yeah. amazing. Um, yeah. Your Elish Norn Grand Cenobite. I, I am in love with this card. I think that it is so inherently, I don't want to say overpowered, but like, I remember like having a grudge against this card because I love playing tokens, and this just this stops any token deck. Uh, it just, it really does. Uh, it It's listed under pump, but honestly, you could probably put it under removal. This is a mass removal card, almost yeah. even more than it is a pump card. Um, any of the creatures that even survive this are just left to be puny. Hmm. They're just puny. I mean, you know, a 4-4 becomes a 2-2, and your 2-2 is now a 4-4, so you're you know you're winning most combat situations as long as elish norn is out there now i mean don't get me wrong there's been plenty of times which i've when i've counted on elish norn only to have it removed before before blockers were declared um but uh there were plenty of times when it wasn't and uh it certainly paid off huge there so two of my favorite cards out of this category in itself um i feel Mm -hmm. like generally should be played more especially uh now um, mirror entity um, it's an all-star in any go wide strategy um, 
But I think that even in like a Voltron deck, which I mean, this is like you said, a hybrid Voltron go wide kind of deal. Um, pumping in mana to just make it bigger is pretty pretty solid. I mean, you you can pump Tajik with anything more than two mana. The thing with Mirror Entity is you can do it anytime. So you swing in on your opponents. The Mirror Entity's sitting there. They all know it. So they're looking at how much damage they're going to take and how big, you know, they have to overblock. Because they have to look at your cards and say, okay, Bruce can put five mana into Mirror Entity, make all these guys five fives. So all of these blocks become useless. Okay, so am I just doing this to absorb, you know, to, to absorb damage? You know, or to prevent me from taking all the damage direct from the creatures. Well, once they block with that in consideration, now you can look at it and say, do I need to do that? Or can I save the five mana and play something else? Because mm. um, you get you get the final say on that. And that's a, that's a beautiful thing. Um, the other one I wanted to highlight here was Trailblazer's Boots. This is an equipment for two mana. Uh, it's a, an artifact equipment. Uh, equipped creature as non-basic landwalk. Uh, equip for two. And I think that, you know, when was the last time you attacked an opponent that didn't have non-basics? Even even monocolored decks. I mean, take your pick. There's, mm. you know, there's Maze of Ith. There's, uh, well, there's the Hall of the Bandit Lord that I'm running. Um, Temple of the False God, which all of you should be running, is a non-basic card. There's, there's just all sorts of options. Um, and I know that it's probably not right that it be sitting in this group with pump spells, but it just it makes the creature unblockable, mm. and I think that it fits with pump spells better than anywhere else. So, yeah, the only time it's not unblockable is like early game, and that's you know right. probably not all... true as well. Like <laughs> you know some well, of yeah, I mean. I'm not planning to swing with Tajik until probably turn th- turn four or five. Right. So by then, opponents probably have somewhere between four and six mana, maybe seven. I'm betting one of, at least one of them is going to be a non-basic land. Yeah. And it just leaves it wide open for me to swing in with Tajik unblocked. So, And this is part of the reason why, you know, Tajik can take opponents out with commander damage. <laughs> you know if, if they never have the opportunity to block then uh, that works pretty well so yeah um just just i i love i love these cards because like like i said they just it they feel they honestly they feel at home here uh i feel like this deck is such a like time capsule of um of boros and I think that you could look at these cards and be like, oh, yeah, like, I miss playing these cards or I love these cards. And, like, some of these are obviously timeless, like your swords and stuff. But um, I think that uh, with as much room as there is to always update your decks, I think that uh, right. a lot of these cards just, it like... I feel like could bring a lot of smiles to the table, uh, just because they're they're classics. Um, I agree, and I think 
I think we've seen a lot of new, new red white, and you can go down through this list of pump spells and probably replace the entire list with cards that you, that you can argue are better, right across the board. Uh, I mean, yeah. Crescendo of War costs four, and on each upkeep you add a counter to it, and that counts how many you know. It gives you plus one, plus zero, when either you're attacking or blocking. That takes forever. Yeah, it literally doesn't do anything until its next turn. Like, right. So these are you know these are not spectacular cards, but you know they were they were nice when I built the deck, and they continue to be fun. And I you know and I enjoy playing them. And it's always a little bit of a a quirk. You know, your opponents end up reaching out to see what what you built, so or yeah. what that card actually does because they haven't seen it in forever. And I think that, like, it's so easy to throw, you know, your your smothering tithes and stuff. Uh, yeah. And I think that uh, you can kind of breathe a sigh of relief to tell your opponents, like, that's not in here. Um, but uh, we have, uh, you, you, you have, I didn't do anything. You have made some updates, uh, which we'll yes. talk about on the other side of this break, along with some fun stuff. Uh, card draw and uh, what you have for protection and ramp. So we'll be right back. Um... This episode of Temple of Falsebot is brought to you by Tajik, the man with the wiggly sword. Really? He gets plus five, plus five because other people are attacking and he's got that goofy sword? I I don't get it. The sword can't be that good wavy sword? It just seems ridiculous to me. Hmm. Tajik, Flavor the Legion. Ah, cool! Wavy sword. Uh, we're back. That's my new greeting. Wavy sword. Uh, gravy sword. Mm. Ooh, gravy sword. That reminds me, I had poutine last week. Ooh. Oh, man. Mmm. And a burger. It's, a, it's quite poutine the meal. and a burger. Yeah. I'm not going to lie, it was delicious. Classic. Classic Tajik. Is it Tajik or Tajik? Because we keep going back and forth. Ooh, 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 it's Tajik. <laughs> no you know <laughs> uh anyway we're back uh we got some fun stuff to talk about uh and that it subsequently that's Quite the literally. name of our next uh section of your deck uh, yes and you know what this is fun um it is extremely boros um yeah this this deck is nothing if not boros um, mostly this is a sort of a catch-all category for cards that I really wanted to be in the deck that don't really fit in another category, but still really should be in the deck. Mm. Um, Sun Titan. Sun Titan. I don't, rec- I don't have a recursion section in the deck. So, and Sun Titan is pretty much the only recursion from the, the only graveyard recursion that's in here. So here's Sun Titan. Uh, you know, hey, everybody knows what Sun Titan does. Uh, Wild Ricochet, because... <clears throat> this deck doesn't do a lot of interaction with like instants or sorceries 
it's, you know, what's on the field is what's there. Every once in a while, there's a piece of removal that shows up, but Wild Ricochet is sort of the, the wild card. It's the one that, <laughs> you know, no one's really expecting to see when it, when it right. actually does hit. So the other, I think the one that's the most obvious is Insurrection. Um, and there are plenty of people out there who would tell you, who would say, that's not fun stuff. Um, <laughs> Insurrection was uh, very popular right around the time I built the deck. Um, it seemed like every Boros deck, every, you know, every deck that sort of went down this path ran Insurrection sort of as a game ender. You paid your eight mana, you took everybody's dudes, swung back at everybody and took most people out. And then it sort of f- fell out of favor because it was just one of those, ugh, everybody's using this card. Yeah, it's like the red crater hoof type thing. Yeah, and it just got boring. It was like, oh, look, you won with Insurrection again. Congratulations on being completely unoriginal. Um, and the deck, the card just sort of sat in my deck, and it, it doesn't come out as often as, as you might think, partly because you can't play it in the early, in the early turns. So, yeah. Um, and you're only, you only ever play it at, at specific times. I mean, if somebody just wrath the board, the insurrection's not going to do anything. If you think an opponent is going to be able to counter it, you're not going to walk into it. So it's limited in the, in the amount of times you can play it. Um, but I find now uh, there are fewer people playing it. it. When I do get to play it, it tends to be a surprise to most of my opponents. They're like, oh, I'd forgotten all about this card. And uh, yeah, you get some. You can get some big hits that way. Yeah, I think the beauty with insurrection is that not only like obviously you're getting a bunch of attackers, but like what's more than that is that you are denying everybody else any blockers. And honestly, that's kind of more of the thing with this deck. And I mean this yeah. card. Uh, yeah, that's sweet. I have I have not played yeah. against this card before. Uh, right. Knowingly. And- Right, and with Insurrection, I mean, like I said, I usually have at least two pump spells on the battlefield already. Mm-hmm. So you're taking your opponent's creatures and then making them bigger while you control them and then swinging back at them. Yeah. And if they survive, congratulations, here's your creature back. Oh, it's now tiny again. Mm. You know, um, So that works out pretty well. Uh, then the other two, well, the, the two angels, Aurelia and Gisela, um, I don't think that's particularly surprising. These are cards that show up in a lot of Voros decks with Gisela doubling the damage and to opponents and having the damage to you and Aurelia uh, giving you an extra attack, uh, yeah. an, extra, an extra combat step. So uh, I, I don't think those are particularly surprising to anybody. It, uh, Gisela always interests me because it, it feels like like a like one of the Phyrexians, you know, like it feels like that type of effect where it's two for you, you know, du- du- like double damage on you, none on me type or half on me. Um, right. But I always look at Gisela and, you know, if I want to make myself feel good about the way Gisela plays, you just think about five. So Gisela as a five, five creature swings in, does 10 damage because you doubled the damage. Now, if an opponent swings at you with a five, uh, you prevent half that damage rounded up, so you only take the three. It just that just doesn't seem fair in any way, shape, or form. You're taking two actually because you're preventing three. 
oh, prevent half that damage rounded up, right? So you're preventing. So yeah. that's what I mean. So you're take you're dealing ten and taking two. Two. I'm like, that is just not fair. Um, especially when you start realizing, you know, a creature like Gisela also has first strike. Hey, hey. You know, it seems just, uh, extreme. Right. Yeah. So, uh, you know, and Gisela and Tajik swinging, uh, you know, all it takes is that one other creature and suddenly your Tajik is swinging as a 7-7, seven, seven, but he's doing 14. Mm. And that's if you haven't pumped him in any other way. And of course I have. Of course right. I have. So, right. like, very easily he could do... 21 commander damage. Yeah, it doesn't take much. It really doesn't take much at all. So, um, you know, when added, adding one of the swords onto him, and it's just, okay, well, we're at nine. We're dealing mm. 18. It just, yeah, it, it just gets ridiculous. Um, and the other two that are in there, uh, Path of Bravery is has been mostly underwhelming. Um, I'm, my life total doesn't often stay high enough for my creatures to be getting plus one, plus one. So it basically reads, whenever one or more creatures I control attack, I gain life equal to the number of attacking creatures. Quite often, the number of attacking creatures is only three or four. Mm. I mean, sometimes it's six, but gaining six life and committing all of your creatures to an attack, it's not somehow protecting you from the kick from the kickback. Yeah, um, this so is a... Path of Bravery is a little underwhelming, and it's probably a card that will come out. Yeah, this is an example of power creep for sure, because I feel like if they made this card now, it would be, you know, you gain life equal to the power of attacking creatures or whatever, like the combined power. Right. But, hmm, interesting. So, it's not that exciting. Um, the other one that's in here is Firemane Angel. Uh, it says whenever the angel and at least two other creatures attack... Fireman Angel deals three damage to target creature or player, and you gain three life. And this is an underwhelming card. Mm-hmm. It's a 3-3 three, three flyer. The, the, what I have found so often, though, is what Fireman Angel does is Fireman Angel attacks with Tajik. Mm-hmm. Whatever creature could block Tajik suddenly takes three damage. Okay. Um, how big is that creature now? Right, because that creature is certainly going to die if it blocks Tajik, if it's not already dead, and quite often that creature is now dead. So now there's nothing there to block Tajik, um, and it it's amazing how how effective is it, it is as a combat trick for a card that's literally sitting on the battlefield. You know, the text is right there; anyone can read it, uh, and people just don't. Um, yeah, it's it's a three three flyer that does three points of damage when. You know, when three creatures attack, okay, and, and nobody thinks of it. So, um, it again, it's an underwhelming card, but um, it seems to come in clutch when I when I want it to. And, and, yeah, I mean, you're getting you know, free lightning helixes off of it every attack. Right. And, so, <clears throat> sure, and you know, it's a three three flyer for four. I mean, <laughs> it never hurts to have a have a, have some flyers in your deck, and this one certainly yeah. qualifies. So, um. Very quickly, let's go over your protection and ramp. Um, I sure. think there are things that, I mean, we've either mentioned briefly or uh, just kind of very general, yeah. not general, but like uh, things that you'd expect. So Yeah, the protection package, I mean, 
Boros Charm, giving the creatures indestructible. Mother of Ruins, uh, there basically to protect Tajik and nothing else. Swiftfoot Boots, same thing. Uh, and the two swords, Sword of Feast and Famine, Sword of Fire and Ice. It's just protection from those colors. You know, this is not, yeah. not particularly rocket science here. I, the Sword of Feast and Famine is more for protection than it is for the ability to untap, untap your lands. I'm not, you know, that's a great bonus, but yeah. it's there for the protection. Um, and the ramp package, uh, it's probably a little small. There's only six cards in the ramp package. And to be fair, they're all artifacts, so they're kind of at risk. But um, Boros Keyrune, Boros Signet, Darksteel Ingot, uh, Journeyer's Kite, Soul Ring, and Solemn Simulacrum. Um, it could be better. It's just not. <laughs> Those were the cards I had, and that's what I ran with, and I, I just haven't changed it. Um, I have never really found that I have an issue with mana. Um, hmm. I'm running 40 lands. I can usually get a land drop every turn for the first four or five turns. Mm -hmm. And then Tajik is ready to go. And, you know, when I get the extra mana, that's great. Um, Journey Year's Kite does real work with, for this deck because it's, uh, it's repeatable. Mm. Um, which is something that I don't think a lot of people appreciate because it costs five to go and get that first thing. So yeah. you already have to have five mana if you're using it on the first turn. Most times I'm not. Well, and you have I'll to play the kite. Oh, it's an artifact. Never mind. I was going to say, and you have to tap, the... so it needs haste, but it's not a creature. Right. No, um, but, you know, you pay two on turn two and put it out, and then on turn three... You get you know, a land. Right. Into you your start hand. putting it into your hand. And this is the reason nobody plays Journey Year's Kite, but it means that I never miss a land drop if I've got Journey Year's Kite out. Mm. And for a deck that is expecting long games... You know, if you hit turn nine and you're playing your ninth land, you're probably doing just as well as any of the ramp decks. Um, just because the ramp decks, you know, sure, there are turns when they get extra, but then there are turns when they're not even playing their land drops. So it works out. And like I said, I, I rarely feel like I have issues for mana. So, um, Yeah. And I, I mean, I feel like if you were to update the ramp, I think it would be pretty obvious that like it would head more into things like treasures. Treasures have been you know, all over the place lately, especially in red. Um, right. Yeah, I will say one of the cards that I have added, um, and I put it in card draw because mm -hmm. I think that's more where it's going to hit, uh, Master of Ceremonies. So one of the new cards, I love Master of Ceremonies, and I, I bought a bunch of them, and I put them in most of my decks that have white, I just love the idea that on the beginning of the upkeep, you know, you start walking, start marching your way around the table and offering people whatever they need. So it helps the game because your opponent is either getting the card they need, getting the mana they need, or getting the creature they, they need. Mm. And in return, you're getting that as well. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, the last game I played was with Brina. I had Master of Ceremonies out. It was a six-player game. So I drew six cards. I drew five cards that turn because everybody picked card draw. So I just kept drawing cards all around the table. Um, and that can happen with treasures or with citizens, whatever. Um, you're going to get something from it. And uh, just, you know, it's a fun card. And I threw it in there in the hopes. And, you know, every once in a while I will get treasures. So, yeah. Um, 
Yeah. And I feel like in protection as well. Um, right. I find it interesting that not, that none of your swords give you pro-white, which I feel like would be the color that could take care of Tajik permanently. Uh, permanently. Um, yeah. Um, I'd love to say that there was a you know, a special reason why there's no pro-white uh, sword in there. Uh, I suspect it was more a case of, hey, I don't have any other swords when I built the deck. That's fair. Um, so this this deck is very de- is very definitely one of those, um, you know, the limitations of the deck are based on the limitations of my card pool. Yeah. Um, because I built it with what I had. So quite often you're going to see cards and think uh, you could do much better with that than using that or. I can think of a card that's specifically better than that particular card. There are other cards that I have upgraded, Master of Ceremonies being one of them. Um, but uh, I like I like it where where it's at. So that's that's sort yeah. of why we don't have more protection. And honestly, if you had say like you know, sort of worn piece, the red pro red white one, um, yeah. then if somebody was to like try to like unsummon your Tajik, you couldn't use Mother of Runes on it. Uh, because it has pro right. white, so yeah. I mean there is that. Uh, so um, yeah, oh yeah, no, there. But, you know, you make it work somehow. Um, as we start to round out this deck, um, are there any lands you want to mention? Um, I uh, I notice a, a significant uh, missing one, and uh, we'll see if okay. Uh, but um, I'm a big fan of Shinka the Blood Soaked Keep. Um, just target legendary creature gains first strike until the end of the turn Um, there are you know there there are a few legendary creatures in the deck but I mean obviously this is aimed mostly at Tajik Um, Mm. Sunhome Fortress of the Legion is you know giving double strike I mean well that never hurts when you're when you're running it on Tajik Uh, and I ran Thespian Stage because uh, sometimes I want two copies of something um the deck itself, on Ar- according to Architect, the deck costs over a thousand dollars. You can trim up this land, this land package, and probably take out most of that total pretty yeah. easily. Um, yeah. Well, I mean, there's a plateau in there, and uh, you know, there's there's a few other cards that are that are kind of pricey, um, and you can take them out of there without much much loss in yeah in, in abilities. I mean, just you know. Standard dual lands will, will do just as well and will save you quite a bit of money. So, yeah. Um, Which one am I missing? Rogue's Passage. Or honestly, yes. any of the lands that let your things through unblocked. Because, I mean, yeah. um, you know. That's it, a good thought. Uh, Tajik doesn't have trample. So, uh, a lot of this, if it doesn't have. No, and, and, it, and he rarely ever gets trample. Because it's just not something that you get from these ones. Uh, it's more evasion. You know, he'll dodge yeah. around it or get protection from something. Um, so, yeah, Rogue's Passage is definitely something to think about. Um, and I, I get why you also don't probably have much of this in here. Um, but uh, anything that gives him vigilance would be pretty sweet as well. Um, if you feel yeah, like keeping I, him back as a, a blocker as well would be... Uh, not necessarily uh like you you wouldn't necessarily always block with him because i think it would be a good deterrent for people attacking you uh because 
it, it's hard for them to get through. So, yeah, I, it's it's not a bad idea. I know that I've got there's one or two cards I think that can give a creature or a group of creatures vigilance, but mm. not a lot. So, um, yeah, that's definitely a good way to go. Um, the key though is to remember with your token creatures, you're not really looking to block with them. That's true. Uh, you know, unless unless you think that they can take out take out an opponent, or you absolutely have to do that. Um, a lot of while I, you know, we've talked about a number of ways to make Pudgy big. That's great because it takes out one opponent, but you're supposed to be wide enough that you can take out another. Like this is this is a deck that's really gunning for one swing, two opponents gone. Yeah. You know, uh, you, you really want to hammer home and make it count. Um, speaking of card draw, uh, this is yes. where we see most of the the mo- most of the updates in this deck, if not all. Yeah. Um, well, when I was uh, recently looking at the deck, I realized my card draw for the deck mm-hmm. uh, pretty much amounted to Skull Clamp and Mentor of the Meek. That was the entirety of the card draw. Now, when either of those come out, that's great. You're going to get plenty of card draw, but otherwise, you're drop, you're pulling off the top of the deck over and over again, and that's just it. It's yeah. just too slow. That that was the one of the bigger weaknesses with the deck. So, um, especially um, yeah. if you are pumping your creatures enough that Mentor of the Meek or Skull Clamp aren't actually drawing you cards, um, because if you have any sort of right, uh, yeah, pump like board pump, then it's it's harder right. to you, get there, but yeah, you get an Elish Norn out, and suddenly Mentor of the Meek is not kicking in very often. <laughs> not ever, actually. <laughs> ever, um. <laughs> yeah. So it it can be a little tricky, but uh, some of the other ones, uh, the one I got kind of get it the, the most kick out of is Combustible Gear Hulk. Mm. It enters the battlefield. Target opponent may have you draw three cards. Uh, if the player doesn't, you mill three cards, and Combustible Gearhook deals damage to that player equal to the total mana value of those cards. Now, with my deck, you're probably looking at dealing five or six. Mm. Um, but your opponents don't know that. Um, and most of the time, if you're picking the correct opponent, they're going to let you draw the cards. There's, you know... You can find somebody who wants to work with you. They'll let you draw the cards. Or you find somebody whose life total is so precariously low. It's amazing. Once, you, once, once somebody's life total is under 10, no. No. They're not even going to risk taking the damage. You draw the cards. Yeah. And I mean, I, I just did some quick math. And like one third of your deck is, a, is four, excuse me, four mana value or above. So like. Right. You know, it's it's pretty easy to get one of those high cards in there, and then, uh, or like by chance having one of those in. There. Yeah. So if it's one third, then arguably you'll get one that costs four or more, a land, and something else. And on top of yeah, that, it's a even, six six for six with first strike. <laughs> well, yeah. So there there's some bonuses here. There's some perks. Um, so I like that one. Uh. One that I've recently put in, haven't played with it yet, is Belborka Spectral Sergeant. Uh, so it says, note the mana value of each card as it's put into exile. This is irrelevant. And then the next line is, uh, Belborka Spectral Sergeant's power is equal to the greatest number noted 
this turn. So if you flip a card that costs six, Bellbork is a six five until the end of the turn. But more importantly, uh, at the beginning of your upkeep, exile the top card of your library. You may play that card this turn. So impulse draw. Right. So I'm getting the impulse draw. Now, I don't do a lot of impulse draw in my decks, so I wanted to try it out. Um, and to be fair, Belborka has no ability, no ways, you know, no trample, no first strike, no double strike, no flying. It is just a vanilla creature when it comes to combat. So realistically, even if it flipped over Insurrection and became an 8-5, still gets blocked by a 1-1 on the ground. Mm. It's just not that exciting. Um, but it's there for the card draw because every upkeep I'm now drawing two because whatever I flip over, I'll just play it. That's mm. the other joy with playing a deck like this. Every card you flip over should be something that you can just play <laughs> out right away. And uh, the tagline of today's episode, that's if there's no pumps on the table. <laughs> like Right. You know, right. well, you, you flip yeah, over I mean, a land, it's a zero five. But if you've got you know Balefire Leash or something, it's a one six or a two. No, it's a it's two a seven. Two seven, yeah. Um, which and I mean, is yeah. excellent. And if you've got Balefire Leash out and you flip over uh, anything that's not a land, mm. uh, if it's a, if it's a colored spell, then you're going to get either three points of damage or uh, what is it or some life gain mm. from from the leash. So. You know, it offers it offers a lot, and I think just just the card draw alone is worth it. And we'll see how often uh, maybe Bell Borka will ha- will have to you know swing in and be the third uh, the third uh, person coming in. The one uh, draw the draw spell we didn't talk about was Reforge the Soul. Oh yeah, um, this is uh, well for three red red. Each player discards their hand and draws seven cards. Uh, mm. The reason this is different from the from all the rest of the wheels is it has miracle one miracle for one and a red. You can cast this card for its miracle cost when you draw it if it's the first card you drew this turn. So on your draw step, you draw and find find or reforge the soul. Um, something to keep in mind is if you are able to draw on an opponent's turn, if you're drawing reforge the soul, it is your first draw that turn. So mm. even if it's uh, uh, your first draw spell on an opponent's turn in the middle of combat you can still do this get your whole new seven cards and then try and find something to deal with with the attack or however you want to however you yeah. want to use it um i will say i'm always reluctant with this one this is another card that i think may get pulled just because man i love getting seven new cards but handing my opponents each of them seven new cards that's a tough pill to swallow um and uh, as far as the miracle, when you're playing it, you really do have to keep in mind that when you draw the card, you want to look at it before you put it in your hand. Because once it goes to your hand, then it's hard, you know. I mean, yeah. we're playing Commander, it's casual. They're all going to be like, oh, okay, you had it, good. But, um, you know, you do want to try and play, want to play and tr- try and play sharp. So it's something to keep in mind. But, um, yeah, for, for how often I've used it for the miracle cost, I, I just, I think maybe another repeatable repeatable card draw would be would be better yeah and yeah i do you, do you still have this deck together i do um i think it's pretty sweet uh i know that the times that i've played against it it's it's either 
gone boom or bust. Um, this it's amazing. Uh, this deck probably has one of the better win per- win percentages of all of my decks, um, which always throws me off a little bit. But I think back, and it seems like most of the time when I play it, I can pull out wins because it it's one of these decks where you start out, opponents do something, and then it looks like you're just done. Mm. You've got Tajik out there by himself. He's not doing anything other than being a blocker. And you're slowly building your hand back. You're getting a board position, but you basically look defenseless and weak. And then something else happens on the board, and suddenly, bam, bam, you've got two creatures, and you start swinging in again. And so it just it seems yeah. to be able to, to swoop in at the last minute. I think, the, I think the thing that I like about Tajik so much is that, one, he's hard to deal with. Um, yeah. Whether you you either have to exile him, generally with white, or give him minus x minus x uh, with generally black, and obviously right. with your protection suite, uh, you can you can do that. You can like make sure that that doesn't happen. But if say he does end up back in the command zone, he's a four cost like commander. So yeah. You play him again for six, and then again he's hard to deal with. So it's it's right. it takes a lot out of your opponents to just deal with him as a board presence, uh, yeah, unless and, you know dark steel mutation or uh, that, like frogify type things. Right. But, but I will say, uh, quite often with indestructible, uh, the best way to deal with indestructible, bounce it. Mm. Well, he ne- he's never getting more expensive. When you bounce it, if I get to cast it back from my hand, it's still only four. You know, bouncing bouncing to Jeek is uh, you bought a turn, right? Um, and sometimes you've bought two because he sometimes he doesn't have haste. Um, and so, you know, not saying that's not a valid way to deal with it. I am saying that it means that it's one you don't have to pay the commander tax. So it's again one of those times when he just comes out as a four power creature and. Yeah, it does work. So, I think yeah, I think the four mana value is definitely like a surprising for its time. Yeah, uh, I'm surprised it's not say like a four four for six. Uh, it being a two two for four is 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 primo. Um, yeah, and honestly, like I feel like if you were to want to you know spice it up a little. Like or like you you have this deck and you're like oh yeah like I've played it a bunch over the past couple of weeks, I think slotting in any of the other legendary Boros creatures, like the deck still stands pretty well. I think you know having Aurelia yeah. be the one to head it or Gisela obviously, I mean Gisela is a little harder because it's seven mana, but uh, I think Belborka could be pretty cool as the head of this as well. Right. Yeah, I agree with you, um, and especially Belborka, just because it costs less. Um, yeah, and I don't think that's that's really a creature that people are going to go after. I don't. I think the uh, uh, the power of getting in the extra card every turn is not something that people really recognize uh, right away as being something that's as strong as it is, especially in some of the longer games that we play. So yeah, yeah. Um, cool. Uh, anything else you want to say about this deck? not a whole lot i just it was you know i have a good i have a good time playing it um this is one of these decks that i feel like i can play on autopilot Uh, i don't have to there's not a lot of thought involved you know oh 
it's time for this, it's time for this. Oh, look, I have this card. I should play this now. Um, there's not a whole lot of, you know, wait until this pause, this exact moment and then do this and this yeah. and everything will fall into place. It's, no, it, it's Boros. You know, play out your stuff, swing as hard as you can. Just, you know, enjoy the game for what it is. So, yeah. Yeah. It's a fun little thing. Cool. Yeah. Um, I think that's going to do it uh, for us tonight. Right. Uh, we got to wrap things up. We got got places to be. We got food to eat. We got magic to play. <laughs> uh, I believe this episode comes out the 8th. So if you're in uh, Magic Philly coming up, make sure uh, to keep an eye out for Bruce. Um, Come say hi. He's uh, 6'4", tall, but he'll probably be sitting. So uh, just keep an eye out for him. Say hi. Like I said on Twitter, you can find me easily enough. Uh, I'll be the guy who's got a quiver full of full of Magic Commander decks. I'll probably be playing Commander. You should be able to find me real easy. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> um. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh. Anyway, uh, we'll be back next week with a cool episode because we're you know on our season 10 no big deal we're going to be talking about uh animals uh you know we got the snakes and the we spiders the creepy keep the crawlies you filthy animals the gorillas um if you have no idea what i'm talking about make sure you tune in and if you do yes. make sure you tune in anyway because uh we got we got a lot to cover, uh, so we'll we see do. you next week. Because we're tumble with false pod, where our decks are not optimized, but our plays sure as heck are fun. I'm Andy. I'm Bruce. And uh, play some magic for me. Say hi to uh, Bruce in Philly, and uh, may your fifth land be the temple. Bye. Wait, wait. Before you go, I uh, just wanted to say thank you for listening. You can reach out to us via email at falsepodmtg at gmail.com or on Twitter at falsepodmtg. Bruce is at manaburned and I'm at andyweekend, though you'll definitely notice I use the podcast Twitter far more often. Now that we've got you here, make sure you subscribe, like, rate us on uh, whatever podcast platform you use. It helps us out. It gets us more reach. Subscribe to us on our YouTube channel. Uh, like a video there. Leave some comments for more casual enjoyment. Thank you so much for listening. We'll be back with some more timeless discussions about all things casual. So come hang out, and may your fifth land be the temple. Bye-bye. Should I do my best, Bruce? Bye! Bye.